Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome in to the new PFF NFL Daily. Here's a recent snippet from the PFF NFL podcast. It is time to explain the grade. The Pittsburgh Steelers won Monday night against the Cleveland Browns and TJ Watt. Now, this has been an ongoing thing. Steelers fans, Browns fans, Steelers fans in particular, little uh, get some Tostitos on their shoulder, Sam, when it comes to the TJ Watt, Miles Garrett comparison, right? Mm. Full bag of chips there because they always want to say, hey, TJ Watt's a, a bigger impact player. He always has more sacks. And just Monday night, they have a good case, right? T.J. Watt, fumble return for the game-winning touchdown. He also had a sack. He also had a, few, a batted pass and a few more tackles. However, Miles Garrett ends up with a higher PFF grade than T.J. Watt. So let's start by this. When we explain this whole thing, I'll, I'll let you have your piece, and I've got something to say as well. But T.J. Watt had a great game. He was fantastic in this game. So we're not going to explain this thing by tearing one person down but I think it's how do we build up both Miles Garrett and TJ Watt to explain Garrett having a higher overall grade than TJ Watt? Yeah, and you can throw Alex Highsmith into that as well. All three guys graded well. Um, Highsmith was 91, Miles Garrett was 91, TJ Watt 82.6. They all graded extremely well. They were all big impact players uh, in the game. Yeah, the, I mean, the Miles Garrett thing is simple. Like, yes, his statistical profile the end results did not necessarily show up like i saw somebody saying oh how do you grade a guy that well who had one tackle like that was his explanation like well already we're raising a bit of a red flag that said individual does not necessarily know what he's talking about right but he had a 40 percent pass rush win rate in the game 40 percent is insane for any period of time like a good pass rush win rate over any extended period is 25%. So 40% is crazy. Miles um, Garrett had a pressure 40% of the time, or had a win, sorry, 40% of the time, and only a limited amount of those had a chance to become pressure. And this is really the crux of the argument is it's the difference between grading process and what a guy is actually doing on an individual play and the results of those wins or losses, right? And this game is interesting because it's a great case study in how wide that spectrum can be. If you win at the line against your blocker, any one of a number of things can happen. You can get nothing for it, right? The ball's out before you get a chance to make a play. Particularly if you're on the blind, spot, blind side of the play, quarterback might never even know it's happening, right? 
the offensive tackle can be face first in the dirt and the defensive end is bearing down on the quarterback if he's reading the right side of the field, gets the ball out of his hands. He never knows that play exists, but you won. You did a good job from your point of view. And then the flip side of that is you can not be doing a particularly good job. You can have nothing going in your direction, but the ball bounces in your direction or somebody else flushes the quarterback out and you end up making a positive play in what was a qualitatively worse pass rush rep from your point of view. So you can get anything in between. And really, Miles Garrett, and this has been a, a feature of his play for years, but also showed up in this game, had a ton of wins that did not get a chance to become pressure. So we have seven of those plays for him in addition to the three pressures that he actually had. And those are the plays that simply don't show up in the box score or even in any kind of statistical profile. Miles Garrett is winning his his rep his uh, against his blocker and, uh, and not getting rewarded for it. And that's not a, oh, Miles Garrett can't finish the play thing. That's a, there are other factors at play here that the edge rusher, the pass rusher simply does not control. Yeah, I tried to add a little perspective to that, Sam, because just to look at if if you're a longtime PFF listener, this might be a little redundant for you. But we have a lot of new listeners. We have a lot of new viewers. We have a lot of people uh, and we're very thankful for that over these first couple weeks listening and watching and, and perhaps for the first time. So I think it's important to explain the PFF process and um, to explain the fact that. Yes, we're grading those one-on-one -on -one interactions, right? And so the difference in result in those one-on-one -on -one interactions are things out of the edge rusher's control or even the blocker's control, which is why we continue to say we don't look at sack totals, we don't look at tackles, certainly not. Um, so you know, one example here is when Miles Garrett won, the average time to throw on those plays was 2.4. So on the plays in which he won his block, the ball was out in 2.4 seconds. On the plays where TJ Watt won, the ball was out in 2.7. So just for perspective, like TJ Watt, when he wins his reps, because Deshaun Watson's holding the ball longer than Kenny Pickett, TJ Watt has more of a, an opportunity to make an impact. The other thing I want to highlight is the two, let's let's take a look at TJ Watt's sack and Miles Garrett's almost sack because, hey, we, we're grading almost plays here. Miles Garrett has this quick pass rush, beats Dan Moore in about just over two seconds, Gets to Kenny Pickett. He's taking Kenny Pickett down, who just flips the ball at the last second to save the sack. Something really completely out of Miles Garrett's control. Great pass rush. Was it a sack? No. It's because the quarterback made a good play to turn it into an incompletion. On the other hand, TJ Watts' actual sack took Deshaun Watson being flushed from the pocket. TJ Watt was actually being well blocked on the play by right tackle Dewan Jones. Now, Watt makes an awesome play to track Watson down, but he needs Deshaun Watson to hold the ball for four yeah. and a half, five seconds well, to get that sack. So those two plays are good examples where the box score says sack for TJ Watt, nothing for Miles Garrett, but I would argue the Miles Garrett play is actually more impressive, just an example of how the PFF grading might work. And even the very end of that play, I think, is critical as well. Because if you watched, if you hadn't seen the TJ Watt play and you just watched the Miles Garrett play, you would say, well, look, that's an example. He's not finishing, right? He's gone low at his ankles. He gave the quarterback a chance to get rid of that ball. Like, that's why that's not a sack. If that was TJ Watt, it would be a sack. And that's the difference between Miles Garrett and TJ Watt. Well, if you then watch the TJ Watt play, it's almost identical in terms of he ends up going around the ankles as well, only gets one leg, brings him down. And then the, the difference is simply Deshaun Watson had no receiver on that side of the field. 
so didn't flip the ball out on the way down to nobody, right? Like, that is the difference. Literally, sack versus hit is on one play, Kenny Pickett found somewhere to flip the ball out of the grasp to and make it an incomplete pass, not a sack. And on the other play, Deshaun Watson didn't find that receiver or didn't, you know, take the intentional grounding by throwing it into to nobody. That's the difference between sack and hit on just at the end of the play. And I agree with you that before that, the actual pass rush rep was a better play by Garrett than T.J. Watt. The NFL's here in DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving you a can't-miss offer for week one. This week, new customers can get $200 in bonus bets instantly and when you just bet five bucks on any NFL game. DraftKings is hooking everyone up for some game day greatness. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Check, check the app. you got to go check the app to see what you get. So download now and use code PFF to sign up. New customers can take home $200 in bonus bets instantly just for betting five bucks. That's code PFF only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. The crown is yours. Gambling, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Um, so here's what I would say. And, you know, look, a lot of times when we're doing the explain the grade, we say, hey, well, the run game wasn't as effective as you thought. I thought both guys were really good in the run game. TJ Watt was awesome as far as the run game goes, set a hard edge. He was dominating Brown's tight ends. Uh, he was fantastic in the run game. One missed tackle in there against Nick Chubb. But that was pretty much it. Watt was fantastic in the run game, but as was Miles Garrett. But, you know, the reason why there was one tackle every time Miles Garrett won a rep in the run game, the ball went elsewhere. It either forced a cut or the running back just didn't go that way. So, again, why tackles can be a little overrated. So I thought they were both really good as far as the run game goes. And then to just put a bow on the pass rush stuff, Miles Garrett only rushed 25 times. We had him with those 10 wins, that 40% win rate. T.J. Watt had a comparable number of wins on 18 more rushes. Now, here's the thing I'll concede. To the eye test... Did, did T.J. Watt's good plays, did his good plays have a bigger impact on the game? I would agree, yes. Now, of course, there's a game-winning fumble recovery for a touchdown. I'll let you vent on that if you want. But, you know, when you're watching the game, you're like, hey, T.J. Watt's making a bigger impact than Miles Garrett. And I think that's fair until you go through the film and you go play-by-play and just think, okay, how much of that T.J. Watt impact is dependent on the quarterback or other things happening, and that's where, again, the grade might come from. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the touchdown thing, I just, I'm curious how good a play people seem to think that that is, right? Like, in terms of, like, if you're looking at EPA, obviously that's massive. It's a game-swinging play. It's putting seven points on the board from the defensive perspective. It doesn't get any bigger than that. But when you're asking, okay, the results were fantastic, but how good a play was it from T.J. Watt? Like, how, how big an impact did he make? I mean, the balls get squirted out because the other side won. Like, it was a strip sack from the other side of the line. T.J. Watt actually is going nowhere. He got chipped on the play. He's looking to come back inside Dewan Jones and maybe clean up, you know, with, with Watson stepping up in the pocket. And the ball basically bounces to him, and he picks it up and jogs 15 yards into the end zone. Like... Again, results, it's fantastic, but I it's borderline expected from an edge rusher that can you pick up a ball and run it 10 yards? You know, if you can't, what are you doing on the field? Because that doesn't feel that difficult a, a role for T.J. Watt. So I, I'm kind of confused that, 
Like, I understand saying, look, he did a lot of good things, he graded, which is why he graded well. And, you know, why was his grade not higher? I don't really understand if your argument is, well, he scored a touchdown, therefore his grade should be like, you know, 98. You're like, yeah, but did you see the touchdown? Yeah, I mean, we we still fighting against we're still fighting against the things we were fighting against ten to fifteen years ago. Where at the end of the day, somebody's going to list tackles and sacks and forced fumbles and fumble recovery. Now, forced fumbles are good, but yeah. fumble recoveries, uh, defensive touchdowns as as things that are you know completely on the player when there's a lot of other things going on. I think to sum it up for me, for us, we're it's like we're giving credit for the guy that lines out four times as a hitter, hits hits the ball hard four times and makes outs. Versus the guy who hits four bloop singles. Obviously, the bloop singles are, are better for the team on that particular day, but the line drives are better at bats, better hits. So there's my baseball analogy there. And yeah. again, that's not to diminish TJ Watt. He had a very good game, but Miles Garrett had a very good game as well that just went under the radar for other reasons outside of his control. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think people lose sight of how much of a pass rusher's production is completely outside of their control, right? Everything, various different things impact whether or not that guy is going to get rewarded at the end of the play, whether it's how quickly the ball comes out, and related to that is how good the coverage is, how good the receivers are in the play, how good the quarterback is, simply at not, not only in terms of uh, understanding, feeling uh, pressure in the pocket, moving around, but also being able to, you know, read a defense and get the ball out of his hands, how good the blocker is, how many blockers are assigned to him. And that's one area where Watt can get some credit back, right, is he did get chipped and helped a lot. Dewan Jones, rookie fourth-round offensive tackle, saw quite a lot of help in uh, dealing with T.J. Watt, so you give him credit for that. But all of these things affect whether or not a pass rusher is going to get rewarded for how good he is with results versus just getting those wins at the line. But that's why if you're the grade is essentially trying to determine how good a guy played or not and how good he played is that first part. It's can you beat your block or not on a regular basis? And if you can, usually good things will happen, but it's not a guarantee because of all these other factors. So one thing, you know, in terms of reward versus um, versus process, like yeah, T.J. Watt scored a touchdown. On the other hand, Alex Highsmith gets a significantly better grade on that play because he whooped the left tackle and forced the fumble out in the first place in order for T.J. Watt to like scoop it up and run 15 yards. Like, I, I have no time for anybody that wants to argue that T.J. Watt should have a higher grade on that play because I think that that's just a fundamentally wrong way of looking at football, right? Alex Highsmith did the more important thing on that play, which was win your block and force the fumble out from the quarterback. And then T.J. Watt got the benefit of that play, right? And yeah, he gets some credit for scooping up the ball and running because we've all seen players not manage to do that, right? Fail to pick up a loose football on the ground. So he gets some credit for that. But anybody that wants to argue that he should have more credit on that play than Alex Highsmith, I think is out of their minds.